covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. A pretty uh, solid last week, especially a very, very good series against the Dodgers over the weekend. Brewers, uh, at least for a little while, held the best record in the National League. Things, for the most part, going well, despite the fact that the team continues to deal with a rash of injuries that just most teams would be absolutely debilitated by, but give the Brewers a whole lot of credit. They continue to find ways to win baseball games. A lot of things coming up here on this week's podcast. Before we go any further, our housekeeping items, you know what I'm about to tell you. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And also, uh, if you uh, want to leave a ranking and a review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast, that's where uh, the vast majority of our listens come from. And the more people that listen, the more people that subscribe, the more rankings, the more reviews, the more people find the podcast. And we want as many people as possible to hear the podcast. So that is always appreciated when you are able to uh, to do those things. On the program this week, our featured conversation will be with uh, Brew Crew Ball Managing Editor Kyle Lesniewski. He's going to come up in just a few minutes. It is, um, I, I don't know if I've, remarkable is a word I use a lot. You know, we all have words that we kind of rely on and we probably say too often. I think the word remarkable is a word that I probably rely on a little bit too much. But I have maybe used the word remarkable more over the course of the past few days than I ever have before when you consider what the Brewers have been able to do. Sunday was a rough day. Sunday just did not go well. Uh, Alec Bettinger making his Major League debut. It was a tough day for him. He was so close to putting up a zero. It's really incredible. He was so close to putting up a zero in the first inning, uh, and then he ends up giving up five runs, including a grand slam. And then he gives up another four runs on a grand slam in the second inning, where a play is almost made and out. I mean, it was so close to not being what it was. But at the end of the day, he did not perform all that well. His breaking stuff does not seem to be quite ready for a prime time. I think his fastball manager, Craig Council, said this after the game on Sunday. His fastball, it, it, it plays at the big league level. But right now, uh, he doesn't have any secondary pitches that are overly effective, at least through one appearance. You don't know what it would look like uh, the next time he's going to be there. It is just a tough situation for him. Uh, last year, he was part of the player pool, but really didn't pitch competitively. And uh, even this year, wasn't involved in the A games during a Cactus League play and has been at the alternate training site. The last time this guy played in a game that you know was actually official was back in you know a couple of years ago, pitching in Biloxi at Double A. So uh, it was it was not exactly an easy situation for him. You would have liked to have seen him perform better. He didn't. But that being said, that doesn't take anything away from what the Brewers were able to do over the course of uh, the first three games against the Dodgers where they were really good. They were really good, and they they just found ways to win games. They found ways to win games sometimes in unconventional kind of ways. The 11-inning game on Saturday and uh, getting the 
the, the walk from Mario Feliciano in his Major League debut, and then eventually he scores uh, the winning run, uh, getting the big hits in the first two games, getting you know basically a home run, holding up as, as the difference while giving up just one run on, uh, what was it, Thursday night and Friday night. Eric Lauer pitching well in that first game. Freddie Peralta pitching well in the second game. In that third game, what turned into extra innings, that was a good pitching performance from Brandon Woodruff. They just kept finding ways to win, and that's where it became remarkable on what they were doing, especially when you consider the injuries. And the injuries just continue to pile up. We've talked about it a lot, where they're without core players, like Lorenzo Cain and and Christian Yelich, but Omar Nervaya is the latest to go on the injured list. That's why you had Mario Feliciano, a guy who had, I think he had three games at double-A a couple years ago, and outside of that, nothing above single-A, and there he is playing in a major league game, making his major league debut in the 11th inning. I mean, it's just just wacky stuff. Even even a Luke Maley, I mean, this is a guy who was banged up uh, and didn't really participate in anything last year. He spoke openly about the fact that you know, he, when he signed with the Brewers, he said it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to be a triple a just so he could get some consistent at bats i mean that's where he's at just trying to get better and find his rhythm at the plate And i think he's he's looked good at the plate especially considering how little action live action he's been able to get so you just gotta it all starts with pitching obviously the pitching continues to uh, perform more often than not, and when you have elite pitching, you don't have to have a ton of run scoring to be able to win games, and that's kind of been the formula. That hasn't kind of been the formula. That has uh, been the formula for the Brewers. Uh, but, yeah, they, um, they they just keep winning, and it's fun, and they've got great character, and I say just enjoy this right now. There's going to be a point in the year. Uh, things are going good right now, even even with the adversity, even with all the injuries. We can agree things, for the most part, are going pretty well right now. There's going to be points in this year where this team is slumping, where they're losing games that they were winning in that Dodger series, that they're going to have some tight games that they come up on the wrong side of, that they're going to lose three out of four and five out of seven and, and eight out of ten or eight out of eleven. Like the, those moments are going to come during the season. It's a 162-game season. Every team deals with that. Uh, but here, a month into the year, it it just it's it's a fun team to watch as they scrap and they battle and they find a way to have success and um, yeah. Now they're going to go on the road where they've been pretty good this year. They play a Philly team for four games, which is uh you know that's a that's a good Philadelphia team in a National League East that I think is the best division in baseball from top to bottom just in terms of depth. I don't think there's a bad team in that division. Uh, Miami, they just lost two out of three against Miami, and they're going to match up against them to uh, to wrap up that road trip. So. Yeah, that's that, that's where the team is at. This time last week when we were on this, doing this podcast, and I was wrong on this, uh, I, I, we talked about Lorenzo Cain, and I really thought that before I was recording the next podcast, the one you're listening to right now, Lorenzo Cain would be active. That didn't happen, but he's close. Christian Yelich is close. There's some rumblings out there that maybe Yelich could be active even for Monday's game. Uh, it, the, the past week was kind of interesting because – Last week, and it was before we did last week's podcast, and this was a, a big part of kind of this opening segment last week, was the fact that Yelich last Saturday left the team when they were in Chicago and went back to Milwaukee to get the MRI on his back. And 
the indications at that point were not great, right? That was that was not a good sign where Lorenzo Cain was really ramping up the baseball activity. And last week I said that I would be surprised if we were doing another podcast and Cain wasn't active. Well, I guess color me surprised because Cain's not active as we're recording this on Sunday night. And it even seems like maybe Yelich has lapped him where Yelich might be closer to returning than Kane. Yelich has been doing a lot more activity on the field where you can see it. You don't know what's going on in the cage and behind closed doors uh, with Kane. But, yeah, it looks like Yelich is probably going to be active uh, before uh, Yelich is going to be active before Kane, but I would guess, and again, I'm the guy who last week said I thought they'd both be active before recording another podcast. So take what I say, I guess, with a <laughs> grain of salt, right? But I would say I think it's a pretty safe bet, barring some type of setback, major setback for that matter, that we are going to see both Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Kane active at some point uh, on this road trip. And again, you just put them in the lineup. The team is still struggling offensively. There's... There's no way around that. The team is definitely still struggling from an offensive standpoint following their uh, 16-4 loss to the Dodgers on Sunday. Their team batting average at 217. They're not doing what you need them to do at the plate. Uh, Keston Hira is maybe the the guy who's kind of the spotlight is on the most because he's struggling the most. He's hitting a buck fifty two. Uh, I, I have to wonder as the AAA season's going to get started this upcoming Tuesday, how much leash he actually has at this point. I feel like the leash has gotten shorter in the past week. In fact, in one of his conversations before a game this past week, Craig Council even admitted the fact that Daniel Vogelback's getting a little bit more time at first base just because he's giving the team better at bats. Now, Vogelback's not hitting a whole bunch better. He's hitting 167. Uh, but the, the thing about Vogel, he, this is one of those things where the numbers, like the, the raw batting average kind of doesn't look that different from each other. But if you watch the at-bats, it's a completely different world. Vogelback is going deep into counts. He's he's having competitive at bats. He's making contact generally uh, Sunday, notwithstanding where he struck out in both of his at bats. Where Kira, he's he's not having good at bats. He's swinging through a lot of pitches that appear to be very very hittable. And we've talked about it before. Like, what would it take for them to remove Hira from the big league roster? Whether it's just straight sending him to AAA or finding an injury and him getting a little bit of time on the injured list and then going on a rehab assignment at AAA. Uh, it, I think we are closer to that now, him not being active on the major league roster. Uh, that To me, that has... Uh, that that is much more of a possibility in the near term than it's been at any other time, and, and you kind of have to wonder: Is it? Are we at a point now with Hira? Is it hurting him more than helping him? Continuing to put him in the lineup, the idea to keep him in the lineup was for him to work through his issues, and that's a fine line, and it's something that you know managers and general managers and president of baseball operations and hitting coaches and and, and everybody who knows a lot more than I do, where. They have to have the discussion about that line of putting somebody in the lineup and giving them an opportunity to have competitive at-bats to try to help them get out of their funk versus doing that, but you've not seen any results of it and almost pounding them more into the funk. So at what point does it actually make sense to get a guy some at-bats at AAA just to hopefully help him find and feel some success? And that might be something that the team is going to have to do sooner than later. It's uh, If he's not hitting better than a buck fifty. Uh, when when we're doing this podcast next week, I I, I mean there there there's a discussion to be had at that point in time. There was never a reason. There was never a reason to remove him from the major league roster before the minor league season got started. 
there was nothing he was going to gain from going to the alternate training site. So, and there was, and, and more, and even you know, the other side of that too is nobody, you know, was knocking on the door or breaking down the door to try to you know deserve a spot on the major league roster that Hero was taking it from. Like there wasn't this, just this clear reason that you needed that roster spot, so you're going to send a guy to the alternate training site. But now, as the minor league season gets started. I wouldn't be shocked to see Hira spend some time in the minor leagues to try to get that swing right, and it might be uh, just what the doctor ordered for him before he is able to uh, to return to the team. But, I mean, overall, look, that's the Brewers are winning a whole bunch of games, and a guy who is supposed to be in the middle of the order just raking and carrying the offense at times is not doing that, and they're still finding a way to win games. And the, the offense will be better with Christian Yelich back in it. The offense will be better with Lorenzo Cain back in it. Jackie Bradley Jr. has been struggling as well from an offensive standpoint. He's hitting 189. So all of a sudden, if you've got, if you've got your four guys, just, just having Yelich and Cain back, it, it, it settles the waters. Because now you go back to that narrative that we were talking about before the season even got started, where you've got four guys for three spots. Because you got Yelich, you got Kane, you got Garcia, and you got Bradley. You're going to be able to give some of these guys days off. You're going to be able to take advantage of some matchup issues. Uh, Garcia's been hitting it a little bit better recently, but even at 222, it, it probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to get a day every once in a while. You're able to return Billy McKinney to that role of being a fifth outfielder, which as well as he's played, his his hitting numbers have kind of started to plateau a bit. I think he fits better as that fifth outfielder, also a guy that you can put at first base if you need to. If something does happen with Hero where he goes to AAA, you've got McKinney available at first base. You even have you know a, a Travis Shaw can play over there at first base. So all of a sudden, there's a lot of dominoes that fall and a lot of different things you can do. Your, your roster flexibility really grows just with the addition of Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, not to mention the fact that you would expect to be a better offensive club with those two players available as well. All right, so uh, Brewers are going to hit the road. We'll talk more about that road trip coming up after our featured conversation. But our featured conversation this week with the managing editor at Brew Crew Ball, that is Kyle Lesniewski. He is uh, with us in just a moment. It's Brewers Extra News Podcast, powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra News, the podcast, is powered by WTMJ Mobile. Very happy to welcome back onto uh, the podcast someone that we really enjoy being able to talk to. Get his thoughts on everything going on with the Brewers. Also talk a little Milwaukee Milkman ba- uh, baseball before all is said and done. He is the uh, managing editor at Brew Crew Ball. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle, K-Y-L-E underscore. I'll just spell it, L-E-S-N-I-E-W-S-K-I. It is uh, Kyle Lesniewski. Kyle, thanks so much for uh, taking a few moments with us today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Um, how about doing good. Uh, the Brewers, despite the, the Sunday lopsided score, playing some good baseball. They just get done taking three out of four from the Dodgers. Let's jump in with this. Uh, they're obviously, uh, what they're doing is pretty impressive considering the number of players who are on the injured mm-hmm. list. When, when you look at what this team is doing, like what how impressed are you? I'm assuming you're, you're impressed to a certain level. How impressed are you that they are being able to win these games while uh, a number of their core players are on the injured list and then just the sheer number of players as well that's on the injured list? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really been kind of incredible to see how they continue to win night in and night out with 
I think it's up to 17 players now on the on the injured list or have been on the injured list at some point during this season uh, after Dylan File went on the IL, the 60-day IL earlier today. Um, so that they've, I think, have used 41 different players now through 28 games this season. So I think, you know, it's really kind of a testament to the depth that they have been able to put together during the off season and, and even the moves that, you know, happened in the spring training. And we've already seen a couple of those late guys, uh, Jordan Zimmerman debuted earlier today. Zach Godley, um, was a, was a February signing who pitched in a game earlier this week. Um, you know, just all of those, all of those transactions, seemingly how innocuous any one of them may be. Um, you know, it, it goes to show they all might affect the major league roster in some way at some point during the season. And, and we've really seen that to an extreme effect so far this year. And, um, obviously, you know, today, notwithstanding pitching has been the thing that's, that's carried the day for the team throughout the year. And, and just the continued consistent performances from the starting rotation, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, um, although they'll now be without Burns for an undetermined amount of time. So, um, it, it's just been really uh, a testament to the, the deep roster that, uh, the front office was able to assemble and then to Craig Council for how he's been able to, uh, bring in all of these new players, seemingly a new face every single day, and and just kind of get everybody involved right away and get everybody on the same page and and everybody working towards a common goal. And um, you know, it, you can see it from the from the comments that that players have made as as they've come into the locker room that you know the the culture and and everything within the organization really goes and and plays a significant role to how well these guys have been performing on the field. There's going to be some roll, you know, eye rolling from the fan base whenever in the off season you hear David Stearns and Matt Arnold talking about roster depth. And look, there's there's nothing wrong with wanting the team to go spend some money and sign some high end players. And I think they did do that this off season. When you think about Colton Wong and you think about Jackie Bradley Jr., fans are always going to want a little bit more. But the eye rolling that goes along with the roster depth, aren't we seeing right now how? Yeah, you need those big ticket items, but also you need to have that that full, complete forty man roster as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you know it, it shows the importance of every single one of those forty spots on the roster, and and you know when it comes to determining things like who you're going to protect from the Rule Five draft, and and how many of those spots you're going to fill with prospects who you know may not be ready to debut at the big league level. Um, it, it's really kind of a balance towards keeping an eye a little bit towards the future, but also maximizing those spots as much as possible to put the best and deep and deepest roster assembly together for things like like this that happens. I mean, who could have foreseen this amount of injuries? And the Brewers have not only weathered the storm, but they've thrived during the first month of the season. Obviously, they're in, in first place in the division. I think, um, you know, tied, they entered today with tied with the best record in the National League. So, you know, it, it has, like I said, it, it's been better than a just, you know, they've kept their heads above water. They've, they've consistently put a good product on the field every night and the team has competed night in and night out and more times than not they've been successful the thing that's kind of struck me is how they're getting contributions from so many different guys and they're getting 
kind of, I guess, unique contributions. It's not always about coming up with the big hit or, or hitting a home run. Yeah. Mario Feliciano drawing the walk, uh, Luke Maley just getting his bat on the ball and and getting a run home. Like the the contributions are coming from a lot of different guys, and some of these are are contributions that maybe don't show up in the box score as a hit or something big. But when you're watching the game, you realize that it's a winning play. Yeah, and you know when when you have a team and have a season that that goes really well and a, a team that ends up making a deep postseason run, um, there's going to have to be moments like that, and there's going to have to be times where guys step up in unique situations and help the team in an unforeseen way. And you know we've we've already seen a lot of that during the first month of the season. You know we've seen guys like Billy McKinney carry the offense at times, even though he's tapered off. We've seen Tyrone Taylor going, you know, on, on really hot streaks. Um, we've seen Omar Narvaez come back from his very poor season last year to, uh, you know, be kind of a revelation both on offense and defense before now he's injured. And then his substitute, Jacob Nottingham, who comes in today after getting designated for assignment, claimed on waivers by another team and then traded back to the Brewers, hits two home runs. So, you know, it's it's just a lot of those kinds of things that, that add up over the course of a hundred and sixty two game season when you when you have a team that, that ends up making a deep run and, you know, the, the Brewers are certainly positioning themselves as a team that could be ready to do something like that this year. How about that week for Jacob Nottingham? You get designated after you come off the injured list. There's not room for you on the 40-man roster. You get picked up by Seattle. You, you barely spend any time there. You get designated again. The Brewers come, acquire you, and bring you back for cash considerations. They have to bring up a, a pitcher who's injured and add him to basically the Major League roster in order to put him on the 60-man injured list to, in order to clear a 40-man roster spot. I mean, just everything that went into to that single move to get Nottingham back into the organization is something yeah and i mean it just kind of goes to show that for a lot of these guys and guys who are maybe on the fringes of the 40-man roster you never know when your opportunity is going to come and you know under what circumstances it might come um but but you just have to kind of be ready to step up when the moment is there and you know jacob nottingham is somebody who kind of entered the season looking like he was on the outside looking in um, got hurt in spring training and obviously opened the season on the injured list and they, they passed some time and, you know, when he was ready to come back, the team didn't really have a need for him. They had, uh, you know, a, a few other catchers on the 40-man roster and um, they they just didn't have a way to keep him at that time, so they tried to slip him through waivers and, and he didn't make it and another organization then tried to do the same thing by slipping him through waivers and Fortunately, the timing ended up working out for the Brewers, and now it looks like Nottingham might, you know, have it at least a week here where he might get cons- some consistent playing time before Manny Pena comes back. And you know, it- it's just an opportunity for him now to show maybe that he deserves a shot at the major league level more than he's gotten over the last few years with the Brewers. And whether that shot in the long term comes with Milwaukee or with somebody else, I mean, he's the the fact of the matter is he's putting himself in position to maybe to show other teams what what he's capable of. The Brewers are not the first team to deal with injuries and have kind of some unsung heroes step forward, but more often than not, when you've when you've got that, uh, there is kind of a shelf life on how long players can really 
kind of play above what they were expected to play. A lot of people talk about Billy McKinney, and he's done a really nice job, and he's made plays, but the Brewers are at their best when Billy McKinney can be your fifth outfielder, and they, they want to get back to that point. Do, do you kind of agree? Do you feel like there is sort of a, a shelf life to what the Brewers are doing right now as long as uh, as long as they are, are missing so many of their core players? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of these guys coming in, um, especially these younger players, uh, maybe the league doesn't have as great of a book on them, you know, immediately, and, and they have a little bit of a chance to show what they can do before the league starts to adjust. And, you know, we're seeing that a little bit with, with Billy McKinney, who's backed up the last few weeks. Um, you know, there's been a little bit of inconsistency from from guys like Travis Shaw and Abisayel Garcia. And, um, you know, Kesson here has obviously struggled to a pretty significant extent this year. Um, but, you know, there's... You obviously want to have your stars in the lineup, and those are the guys that are over 162 games going to give you the best chance to win night in and night out. And um, it sounds like they're, you know, pretty close to welcoming a couple of those guys back. Uh, Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain should both return in this uh, upcoming Philadelphia series, I believe. Uh, the front office management said earlier today. So. Um, within the next few days, uh, that'll be a couple of, of really strong bats to have back in the lineup. And then, um, you know, we won't necessarily have to rely on, on a guy like Dylan McKinney or a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. who struggled a little bit this year, too. And, and those guys who weren't destined to play those significant roles can kind of slot back into the roles that are that are really best for them. You mentioned Keston Hira. The minor league season is going to get started this week. He looks... He looks lost. I mean, he's hitting a buck fifty. He's striking out a ton, and it's not just striking out. I mean, he's he's swinging through pitches that are right in the meat of the zone that that look incredibly hittable. Do, do you think a week from now he is still on the active major league roster? Um, at this point, I think it would be pretty hard to see them continue with him on the roster uh, unless he starts to show some significant improvement. Uh, you know, I, it was one thing that I wrote, um, you know, within the first couple of weeks of the season after he got off to such a slow start as well, that this was something that we were going to have to keep an eye on because he, he really, um, took a step back last year and struggled making contact and, and was susceptible to velocity, especially up in the strike zone and, um, you know, sort of kept his head above water, came in with a, uh, slightly below average OPS over the course of the season. Um, but, you know, those numbers played a little bit better at second base than they would at first base. So, you know, there was there was kind of some pressure for him coming into the season, not only to be learning this new position off, or defensively, but knowing that he had to be closer to 2019 rookie Kesson Hira in order to justify having a spot on the roster while playing regularly at first base. So... Um, you know, obviously he, he has really struggled out of the gates this year. He's striking out in almost 40% of his plate appearances. Um, you know, just as you said, really missing hittable pitches in very, very hittable spots of the strike zone, spots that he wasn't missing at earlier in his career. So, uh, with, with the minor league season upcoming and all of these players that are going to be coming back from the injured list over the next week or two, um, the Brewers are going to need spots on the active roster, and, and sending Kesson here down and letting him kind of work through some of this stuff, um, you know, 
physically and mentally down in a, a lower pressure environment in the minor leagues is probably going to be um, you know the best thing for for both parties at that point. I felt bad for Alec Bettinger on on Sunday, and look, his his, his breaking stuff did not look like major league breaking stuff. His fastball looked nice, and, and it, it had some success. But when he tried to throw the slider, when he tried to use some of his other off speed stuff, it just for the most part uh, was not working. How much of a benefit is it going to? I mean, well, it wasn't fair to him. He there was no season last year, and the year before he's pitching in Double A. All of a sudden, you go from you know pitching these inner squad games at the alternate train site to trying to uh, you know take down the Dodgers that have a, a lineup that's just incredible. How much of a benefit is it going to be to the Alec Bettingers of the world? And there's a bunch of them who are finally going to get the opportunity to actually play some competitive baseball games starting this week. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be huge for for these guys and and their development, um, just to get back into the regular routine of of playing baseball every day and and putting your body through the motions and 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 being out on the field and and competing in a truly competitive environment where the wins and losses do kind of matter because um, it, it's it's hard to replicate that in an intra squad kind of environment where you know you're you're playing against the guys that you see every single day. Um, you know, and, and especially for the guys who haven't been at the alternate training sites or any of that kind of stuff, um, who, who maybe just sort of been at home or have, have had a little bit of work in spring training or, or were at the, um, the fall instructional league last year, but that's been it. Um, you know, it's, it's really going to be good for all of the organizations as a whole, just to be getting back to regular baseball and, and getting these guys on the field and, and allowing them to, put into play against outside competition, you know, maybe the different adjustments or um, swing changes, mechanics changes, any of that kind of stuff, all the sorts of things that organizations, um, you know, recommend to their players and especially the brewers, you know, who have the the pitching lab and and all the things that they do there. Putting those guys in a competitive environment is, is just going to be such a good thing for their development and for getting them in the rhythm of playing and and for having them be more prepared to come up and help the big league ball club that is playing games every day and and need somebody who's going to be ready to step in and compete right away. I thought it was interesting when um, Luke Maley, I think it was the Friday night game that he spoke to the media after the game, if I remember correctly. Maybe it was Saturday, but I think it was Friday. And he sounded like a guy who almost wishes that he would have not been on the taxi squad, that he would have been at the alternate training side. And he talked openly about looking forward to the AAA season where he was actually going to be able to get some at-bats. And he talked about you know just wanting to get better. That, that, that says a lot. Here's a guy who's getting the opportunity to be with the big league team when he was on the taxi squad and then be active. And he's actually done a, a, a pretty nice job at the plate, all things considered. But he's sitting there desiring more at bats, more live looks. Like does isn't that doesn't that just say a lot about some of these players who haven't gotten much of an opportunity lately, how much they're really desiring the opportunity to see live pitching? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's gonna be something that's gonna be kind of interesting to watch, um, you know, not only this year, but in, in years going forward, just how this, you know, year off essentially um affects the development of this upcoming crop of prospects, not only in the Brewers organization, but kind of across baseball as a whole, like, is this going to be something that stalls a lot of developments or is this going to be something that, you know, spurs a lot of guys to the big leagues more quickly because organizations are maybe trying to make up for lost time. Because, I mean, if you remember the, for minor league players, that 
all counted as service time too. So, you know, guys were eligible for the rule five draft, even after not playing for a year and did get a closer, a step closer to minor league free agency after, even after not playing for a year. So it's, it's less time that the organizations have a chance to, you know, see and develop these players and, and try to, you know, get them to the big league level that way. So, you know, is it, is it going to be something that, affects development in that manner you know i'm actually kind of interested to see to see how that goes because there was just so little baseball played last year and so few opportunities for a lot of these organizational players to get those repetitions and to improve against live competition so you know how is that going to affect baseball and and what major league baseball looks like in 2022 and 2023 you know yeah it's uh it's really interesting i'm I'm right there with you i'm very curious to see uh you we talk so much about how tough it is for a player to to take a year off, and a lot of times when we're having those conversations, those conversations are about guys with major league pedigrees. I can't, you know, you've got all these players, these 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds who basically had an entire year of their development, the pause button just pressed on it. It's going to be really tough to recover from that for some of them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, you know, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how organizations handle this and and how players handle this and can kind of overcome this lost time and um you know are we going to see fewer prospects coming up in the next couple of years or are is there going to be a sudden shift relying more on on veteran players than trying to rush these guys to the big leagues after missing that year um you know it it there's any number of, of questions that it could lead to. So like I said, I'm just kind of curious to see how it's going to end up playing out, not only this year, but, but in years to come. Clearly the team has been led by starting pitching. It seems like Brandon Woodruff has maybe found another half gear. Adrian Hauser, we'll, we'll see. You know, It's still a small sample size, but it, it certainly seems like he's kind of busted through one of those walls that you want to see with guys who are still developing. Freddie Peralta, I thought his last start was really important. He had, had two starts where he maybe took a half step back and he was able to take that half step back forward. Uh, we know what Corbin Burns is doing, although he is uh, he's out right now. We're not really, it's not clear when he is going to return. Look, I what they're doing is not sustainable just in, in the numbers that they're putting up. Th- those numbers are ridiculous, but uh, not so much the, the specific numbers, but from a, from a sustainability standpoint, do you feel like the Brewers having really, really good starting pitching is something that with this group will continue to exist through an entire 162-game season? Yeah, I, I would think that you know it's it's a pretty safe bet at this point that the brewers are going to continue to you know operate at a pretty at a pretty high level in terms of how their pitching is for the rest of this season um you know corbin burns has established himself i think last year and this year over his last 20 starts as one of the best pitchers in major league baseball i would i would expect him to at least continue at a well above average clip going forward uh brandon woodruff Previously, an all-star was was great again last year and is great again this year. You know, I think he's pretty well established as a frontline starter at this point. Um, Freddie Peralta, you know, we'll see how sustainable he can be sometimes with the walk totals that he that he's put up. But you know, he, he's a guy who's looked extremely difficult to hit this year. And um, you know, if if you're not giving up any contact, you can get away with with a little bit of of uh, high walk totals here and there. So, um, you know, I think, I think he's probably a pretty safe bet to, to be at least an average starting pitcher going forward, if not better than that. Uh, Adrian Hauser is somebody who has uh, 
gone over the course of a full major league season looking like a number four, number five starter in, in 2019 before he struggled a little bit during the um, half season last year. And again, he looks like a, a pretty solid number four. And, um, you know, Brett Anderson kind of is what he is. We know we know he should be a, a solid arm for them going forward um, once once he's able to return. And Eric Lauer looked good his, his last start. He's somebody who's previously been a, a solid number four, number five starter at the big league level. Um, you know, they, they've, they've just got a lot of, of depth there. And I think uh, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, those guys we can we can probably count on at this point to, to operate at a pretty high clip. Um, so if they can get, you know, decent production from the other two spots in their starting rotation, I think that's that's going to be kind of what carries them. And, and, you know, we've seen their bullpen has, has really – sort of come together and answered a lot of those early questions about who would step up and, and who would step into those roles. And we've seen Brent Suter look pretty good in, in high leverage situations. Uh, JP Fire Eisenach obviously had an excellent month, uh, went all the first month of the season without giving up a run across 15 appearances. Um, Devin Williams has really come on the last couple of days and then uh, their last couple of outings. And then obviously Josh Hader at the back end, um, you know, functioning in that true closers role. Uh, he, he's been locked down at the end of the ball games and, and has been locked down since he came up to the big leagues. So um, Brewers have done very well in developing pitching, starting pitching and relief pitching. Um, they've found a lot of guys from a lot of different avenues, uh, trades, draft picks, waiver claims, um, free agent signings, all, all all different ways they've been able to find value, and they that's that's been the organization's biggest strength since David Stearns and and his regime took over is developing and and putting good pitching on the field at the major league level, and you know we haven't exactly seen that same level of success with the offense, but uh, I, I think at this point we can we can pretty much count on the Brewers to be able to put together a, a pretty strong pitching staff here in the year out. Before I let you go, we always like to talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Milkmen, where you're part of that staff in, uh, in player procurement. Season is going to get started here in uh, just a few weeks. Uh, is in a normal year, there's kind of a there's a lot of minor league players that can become available at the end of minor league camp. Is it is it the same way this year, or has COVID and the realignment of the minor leagues changed things in terms of the players that have become available? Um, there were a significant amount of players that became available at the end of last year and last year over the course of the canceled minor league season, even more so than, than in a typical year. So um, it has been a little bit slower in terms of those types of transactions. Um, but it, within the last few weeks, there has been you know a wave of, of players that have kind of come available as minor league camps are slowing down and those teams are preparing to, um, you know, report to their various affiliates across minor league baseball. Um, so there has been a, a good amount of activity. There are still um, a few teams in our league that are working to fill out their rosters. Uh, Kane County is, you know, one of the uh, new additions to the league this year, um, former Midwest league team. And they're, um, you know, still, still working to get things put together. Um, but have have a, a very strong roster so far, and um, George Samus, who took over that manager role after uh, a long st- and successful stint in St. Paul, has really done a good job putting things together down there. But there's still um, work to do for for teams uh, throughout our league, and uh, guys who are available, and the work isn't done for us either. And we're always out there looking to see, um, you know 
the, the best ways that we can improve our roster. So what's it look like between now and uh, when the team opens up the season, I believe, on May 18th? Um, our players are starting to uh, trickle in. They've been kind of coming in over the last week, uh, over this weekend as well. Um, team physicals and uh, COVID testing, going through all those protocols and stuff, uh, start this week and then um, kind of get into the day-to-day routine of, of training camp and spring training. And then we'll have uh, three exhibition games uh, all played at home at Franklin Fields um, over the course of the, the training camp uh, with our first one next weekend on Mother's Day. Um, and then opening day for us is in um, Gary, Indiana, against the Gary South Shore Railcats on May 18th. And our home opener is on uh, May 25th. And we'll be um, putting up our uh, championship banner from last, from last season and, and doing a ring ceremony on the field before the game. Awesome stuff. MilwaukeeMilkman.com uh, is the website for that. Obviously, uh, Brew Crew Ball uh, for, for all the Brewer stuff. What's going on right now over at uh, Brew Crew Ball as you guys continue to just pound out content? Yeah, you know, we're, we're really trying to keep up as best we can with all, the, um, with all the roster moves and all the turnover and all the injuries and all that kind of stuff and, and you know, trying to provide scouting reports on the new players that are coming up and, and giving you an idea of what to expect from these guys who, um, you know, are, are contributing in, in unexpected ways. So uh, between that and, and covering the games and all that kind of stuff, you know, we're, we're just doing everything that we can to, to give you all angles about the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, Kyle, great stuff as always. We appreciate your time. You are a very, very busy person. So uh, thanks for finding some time for uh, the program, and uh, we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Always appreciate the opportunity to come on and chat. Skyless Nisky joining us here on Brewers X Journeys, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile, and that is just about going to uh, do it for this week's edition of the program. Brewers, they are hitting the road as they are going to play in Philadelphia for four games and then Miami for three games, and that's going to wrap up the 17 straight days without an off day for the Brewers. They've made it pretty clear that they are going to try to give every starting pitcher an extra day of rest more often than not. So when they're in these periods like they're in right now, 17 straight days, they're going to go to a six-man rotation. When you've got some off days the way they had for the first month of the season, they're able to stick with a five-man rotation. But it has become abundantly clear that they are going to uh, try to give guys an extra day as often as possible. And uh, so we'll see. There's, There's going to be there's going to be a spot coming up where we're not totally sure who the Brewers are going to have as a starting pitcher. We don't know if uh, Alec Bettinger is going to be given another opportunity. You would think that him maybe heading to the minor leagues to pitch at, at AAA might make a little bit more sense at, uh, at at this point in time. They can always utilize a bullpen game, maybe started by Brent Suter, if that makes sense, uh, just as they're going into a point where they are finally going to get that off day coming up a, a week from Monday. Maybe it is a situation where they just go ahead and bite the bullet and go with the five-man rotation uh, here for a little while. But uh, even then, they're going to have to get something figured out because they've got the they've got the Philadelphia series set in terms of their four starting pitchers with Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, Freddie Peralta, and Brandon Woodruff going uh, over those four days. But after that, you don't have Corbin Burns available right now as he remains uh, out. Um, 
we, we assume due to a positive COVID-19 test, although that certainly has not been uh, shared by the team. They can't share it. Just enough things have kind of lined up where it really seems like that, that has to be what has happened. But there's, again, there's a lot of assumption that goes along there. And you know what they say when you assume uh, Brett Anderson, he's probably not going to be back until a little bit later in the month of May. Same deal with Josh Lindblom. So they've got some questions to, uh, to, to get figured out when it comes to the starting pitching uh, after those four guys. And who starts on Friday is going to be the big question. But uh, they've got to, it'll be fun to see what Eric Lauer can do in start number two coming up on Tuesday after he was so good in his most recent start um, against, the, uh, against the Dodgers. And he's had a lot of success against the Dodgers, what's going to happen when he pitches against a non-Dodgers opponent. We'll find that out coming up uh, on Tuesday. But overall, pitching continues to really lead the way for this Brewers club. A reminder for you, Brewers games can be heard, of course, statewide on the Brewers Radio Network, but on WTMJ. If you are in the Milwaukee five-county area, you are able to stream the radio broadcast now using uh, the WTMJ mobile app or going to WTMJ.com. And don't forget about my post-game show, Following Games on WTMJ. That does stream. Even if you're outside of the five-county area, you can listen to the Brewers Extra Innings post-game show on the stream. Now, once the it, uh, the stream doesn't go live for people outside of the five-county area until the network broadcast goes off the air, that's generally somewhere between 20 and 25 minutes after the uh, after the final pitch is recorded, the final out is recorded, I should say. So when you first, if you log right in and go to WTMJ.com and start listening to the stream, you're probably going to hear archive broadcast of WTMJ shows. Just hang tight. Eventually, it is going to go back live, and uh, we do our post-game show. Jerry Augustine, former Brewers pitcher, is with me more often than not. Craig Sean from Valley Sports, Wisconsin, uh, spent some time on the program as well. So I encourage you to uh, listen to the post-game show as often as possible. If you're in the Milwaukee area, obviously on WTMJ, but for folks outside the area, uh, you can listen at WTMJ.com. All right, I appreciate uh, Kyle Lesniewski joining us here uh, on uh, the podcast for our featured conversation this past week. Appreciate you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.